Glory to God. How's everybody doing today? Good. So good to see you all here this morning. Uh, as I said last week, we've got a, uh, I believe, a timely message this week. It's a message that the Lord spoke specifically to me that I wanted to bring to you today. Before I jump into that, I do just want to make mention of His Table once again. His Table is a, uh, an outreach down in downtown Troy. They feed the poor. Uh, they've been doing this for years, as you may know. Uh, it's Pastor Joe Flynn and his wife have done it for, as far as I'm concerned, they've done it forever. I don't know how long. Uh, I know it's been beyond 20 years. I know that we've supported them for about, as a church, we've supported them for about 20 years. Uh, but they were doing it long, long before that. So I couldn't actually tell you how long they've been doing it. Pastor Joe and Donna uh, have had some heart, uh, not heart, health issues. And so they uh, don't serve anymore. Um, they're, they're just not in a condition to do that. A new couple has taken over, uh, Chris and Mark Struby. Wonderful, wonderful couple. They serve food every Wednesday. So if you want to get, if, you've, if that's ever been something that's on your heart that you want to feed the poor, uh, right downtown Troy, right here. This is the ministry that we sow into. We don't, need to, we don't need to duplicate this ministry because this ministry is awesome. And so we sow into that ministry financially. If you want to take part, if you want to serve in that capacity, serve at his table. Uh, we just spoke with Chris on uh, earlier this week, and she said, normal Wednesday, you can serve any time between 1 p.m. and 7 p.m. 1 p.m., they start setting up, they start prep work, and then they go with cleanup until 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock. So if you have open availability on Wednesday from 1 p.m., to 7 p.m., go down there, call, call uh, Victorious Life, get involved with his table. Awesome, awesome, awesome ministry. We are so glad to be a part of it. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Well, listen, this is today's message. The title is entitled, Get Ready to Run. And this is a specific word that the Lord spoke to me. He spoke it to me, and I thought it was just for me. And then as I shared it with others... I realized that it was an encouragement for them too, so the Lord really put it on my heart, share it with the body. And so that's what I'm going to do today. Um, the Lord spoke this word to me very recently um, while we were out in Batavia. I don't remember the exact date. Um, Batavia, they had a, a gathering with, with Mario Murillo. And for those of you who haven't heard, I'm just going to fill you in on a little bit of the highlights. Sunday night was the first night, and they were meeting in a tent outside this was about a month ago. So it was September, right? It's about a month ago. So it was September. It was you know, a little chilly. And then their tent sat 1,800 people. And it decided to downpour days leading up to it and the day of the event. The kickoff event was on Sunday. And it was a torrential downpour all day. The speaker, Mario Murillo, flies into Buffalo in a downpour and drives to Batavia, about an hour and a half away, I believe, through the pouring rain. And as he gets closer and closer to Batavia, he becomes disheartened because it is pouring rain. I mean, it is a torrential downpour. If you remember that Sunday, I don't even remember the exact date, it was a heavy rain. And so he's becoming disheartened only to get there to find out that 3,000 people showed up underneath the tent that only sat 1,800. So that means 1,200 people stood outside in the pouring rain. Two hours before the event was to begin, they started turning cars away because they had no more parking spaces. 
It was scheduled to start at 7. I, maybe. I don't even know the exact date. Seven. 5 o'clock, they're like, you can't park here. Imagine if at 8 a.m. this morning we were like, hey, you're going to have to go find another church to attend. People are hungry. There was an anointing. There was a spirit there. And so uh, it was phenomenal. It was awesome. So they actually started the service there 90 minutes before it's, it was supposed to start. Imagine if we started church this morning at 8.30, even though the scheduled time was 10. This is what's going on. Because why? Because there's, they're, they're at capacity. We can't get anybody else in the tent. As a matter of fact, we can't even get anybody else outside the tent. So just go. Just start. Makes sense. So we didn't go down on Sunday. Would have loved to have seen that. We went down on Tuesday. And so, you know, the actual service, to be honest with you, was nothing to write home about. If you want great worship, it was better worship here this morning. <laughs> not, I'm not joking and I'm not being facetious and I'm not trying to, to downplay what went on. What went on there was fantastic. It was a move of God. And I'm glad that I was there. But I can't really tell you the songs that they heard because I really couldn't make out the words because the sound system wasn't fantastic. And although they had screens on the left and the right, they didn't put the words up on the screen. So I didn't know what they were singing. Four songs of worship. I think I made out a couple of the songs. I recognized one or two. I've been a Christian for 28 years, going on 30 years. I, I don't know all the songs. There's a lot of old ones that I haven't, I haven't heard. <laughs> you know, uh, one, of the, one of the rolling jokes uh, among... Um, Worship leaders is no tambo, right? You know what that means? No tambourine, right? Because somebody with a tambourine throws off the worship team. Throws, I see worship leaders, worship members shaking their heads. Yeah, 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 no tambo, no tambourine. Okay, so they didn't have a tambourine. I mean, they had tambourines, but they didn't just have a tambourine. This guy had a trumpet in the crowd, back row, like three sections back. And he's like, and sometimes he was on and sometimes he was not pandemonium. But we take all of that and we push all of that aside, those of us who are more mature, right? You just set all that stuff aside. I don't care that I can't hear the words. I trust that they're singing, you know, godly things. I think this is what they're singing. I know this song. I'll sing along with this. I'm not going to be, I refuse to be distracted by the tambourine. I refuse to be distracted by the trumpet. And I press in and God showed up and God spoke to me before the, the speaker ever got on the platform. Awesome message. Before the speaker ever got on the platform, the Lord spoke to me and he said, get ready to run. And I, and I responded to the Lord. The Lord spoke to me in the spirit. And I want to talk a little bit to you today about hearing the voice of God. The Lord spoke to me in the spirit. It was right at the end of worship, last song. And he says, get ready to run. And I said to God, I said, God, I'm already so busy. I'm already so busy. So then the Lord spoke to me again. Lord's gracious, as long as, we're, as long as we come in humility, the Lord's gracious. He spoke to me again. And then he does what he always does with me. He spoke to me by the scriptures. And he said, gird up your loins. Who can tell me where that's from? That's, a, that's directly from scripture. Who can tell me the address? Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter, and who is it referring to? Elisha, Elijah, Elijah, not Elisha, directly from scripture. And so that, 
reassured me, and we'll get into a moment why it was reassuring that the Lord spoke that scripture to me. And then as I was like, okay, and then he said to me, it's time to get to work. <laughs> With all humility, what am I doing? What am I already doing? I'm already working. But I understood that it was just, it's time to, it's time to really put your nose to the grindstone. It's really time really to put your hand to the plow. It's time not to look back. It's time to press forward. It's time to get ready to run. It's time to get busy, even in this hour where we are so busy. We are so busy. And as I've shared this message that the Lord gave to me, this, this word that the Lord spoke to me with many people, I shared it because they responded and they told me the same thing that I was saying, I'm so busy. Things are so busy. And so even with, you know, you can raise your hand or not. How many of us, how many of us in here are, are like, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. That could be the defining moment of all of our lives right now. That could be the defining uh, phrase for every single American, I feel. Why? Because this is America. We fill our schedules with, with things to do and places to go and you know, I don't know, whatever it is, where am I going to get the best deal? And I'm going to go to five supermarkets to buy my groceries because I can, we do this stuff. I, I spend hours shopping online. I do this, I do that, I do this. We've got, we've got all of this stuff. And it's just the world we live in. It's just the world we live in. We are all busy. Is there anybody in here who says, I'm not really busy? Please raise your hand. All right, I'm hiring you. For a volunteer, as a volunteer. Praise the Lord. We got one person. So I want to just speak for a moment to questioning the Lord, questioning the word of the Lord when it comes. In Scripture, we see a very similar message delivered to both Mary and Zechariah before Jesus' birth and before John the Baptist's birth. Angel comes to Zechariah and says, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be John the Baptist, and he will never drink wine. The Spirit of God will be upon him. The Spirit of the Lord will be upon him from a very early age. This is going to happen. And Zechariah turns around and questions the angel and says, how can this happen? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And the angel turns and says to Zechariah, because you didn't believe this in your heart, you're going to be mute until the day your son is born. And so he didn't speak. It was a rebuke because he questioned God. Now, in the very next paragraph of that book, Luke chapter 1, chapter 2, the angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a son. And he will be the anointed one. He will be the Messiah to come. The power of God will overshadow you and you will have a child. And Mary says, how can this be? For I've never known a man. I've never been with a man. The angel doesn't bring rebuke. The angel doesn't, says, doesn't say, you're going to be mute until the day he's born. <laughs> Instead, the angel says and explains, the, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And you will conceive and you will give birth. And his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And so we, here we see this, a very similar message delivered to two individuals, and their reaction was different. What was the difference? 
And it's not easy to see this in Scripture, but I believe that the difference was the attitude in which they responded. When the word of the Lord comes, do we respond in humility or do we respond from a place of pride and arrogance? And I believe that that's the difference. And so whenever we ask the Lord about what he has spoken to us, we always need to make sure that we do that with humility. And so when the Lord spoke to me and said, get ready to run, I wasn't like, listen, I'm already so busy. It was more like, God, I want to run for you, but I'm already so busy. How am I going to do this? You see the difference? Always, 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 if the Lord speaks a word to you, always respond from this place of humility. God, God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Never come from an attitude of pride. So let's take a look at the scripture. Get ready to run. God, I'm already, I'm already so busy. Gird up your loins. So let's take a look at that scripture right now. 1 Kings 18, 46 says this. It says, Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, when the Lord speaks to me, he very commonly, very frequently speaks to me through scripture. He will very frequently give me a scripture, and that's the word of the Lord over my life. This happened the very first time that I ever sought the Lord uh, with fasting regarding my future. I wasn't sure what I was going to be doing for a job, and so I, I made the decision I was going to fast dinner every night of the week, and I was going to seek the Lord for an answer as to what I was to do for a job moving forward. I had multiple job offers on the table. None of them really offered anything more than what I was currently making. So nothing was clear. There was no clear, definitive avenue for me to take. And so I'm, I was confused. I wasn't sure what to do. And so I did what I knew to do. I sought the Lord. So I decided I was going to fast dinner every single day. We were living in Stillwater at the time. We moved six times in four years when we were first married. We were living in Stillwater at the time. And the kids would sit down to eat dinner. And I would go in the bedroom. And I would shut the door. And I would pray for that whole period of time where they were eating dinner. They would get done, I'd hear them moving around, I'd get up and I'd go back out and then we'd play and we'd have fun. And the kids at that time learned that what fasting was. They learned even as little as they were about fasting. And so they grew up watching this in our lives because it was something that we did from the time that they were very little. Ariana was, uh, Less than six months old at that point. Was she six months old? Probably under a year. Definitely under a year. Anyways, so the Lord spoke to me, and he said, go and do all that's in your heart. That's directly from Scripture. Who can tell me where that's from? First Samuel, chapter 6, maybe 7. It's when David says, I want to build a house for God. And Nathan responds and says, go and do all that's within your heart. And so the Lord spoke to me, again, directly from Scripture. We're going to review this again in a moment, but I want to fill you in on what the Lord's already done. Go and do all that's within your heart. And so then that was it. That's all I needed. That was the answer that I had to have. That's the answer that I got. That answer spoke to my heart, and it told me what job I was to take. So I ran out, and I did 
that thing, and I never looked back. I never looked back. I never regretted my decision because I heard from the Lord. I knew what I was to do. I knew that this was the path that he had for me. I knew that while I was here, he would provide for me because he told me to go this way. Let's go back and look at this scripture in Kings. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he ran ahead of Jezreel, uh, ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. It helps sometimes to know the story. But then again, sometimes it helps to not know the story. Then you can go back and look at it, right? It's going to draw you back into the word. So when the word of the Lord came to me and said, get ready to run, I was like, God, I'm real, I'm real like, I'm already running. I'm really tired. I don't, I'm busy. I don't really want to run. Then God said, gird up your loins. And I was like, oh, praise God. Why would I say that? Because of the story. Do we know the story? So in an instant, when the Lord spoke the word of the Lord to me, spoke scripture to me, I was encouraged because I realized the only way that Elisha outran Ahab was by the grace of God. But you have to know the story to know this. Let's, let's just explain where we're at in the story here. Elijah, word of the Lord comes to Elijah and says, hey, no rain in Israel for two and a half years. Elijah says to Ahab, hey, there's not going to be rain in this nation for two and a half years. And then the Lord takes Elijah and he hides him. And Ahab searches the whole nation for him, can't find him. And then the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and says, I'm going to send rain, go down and tell you know, tell them that rain is coming. So Elisha goes and he tells Ahab, hey, rain's coming. Let's gather the prophets. And so Elisha meets all the prophets of Baal. There's one prophet of God, Elisha, all the prophets of Baal, 450, on Mount Carmel. The whole day goes by. The, the prophets of Baal are calling on the, the false god of Baal, come and, and consume the sacrifice, consume the sacrifice. Baal's not answering because he's not a god. At the end of the day, around the time of the evening sacrifice, Elisha puts his sacrifice in order, pours water on it three times until water fills up the drench. God sends fire on the offering, consumes the offering, licks up the fire all the way around the, the trench, licks up the water all the way around the, the trench. You guys know the story? I'm just kind of like giving you a quick summation here. Then they kill the prophets of Baal so that they are no more false prophets that led the people of Israel astray. Then God says to Elijah, tell Ahab to prepare. And so Elijah says to Ahab, prepare yourself for there is an, the sound of the abundance of rain. There's not a cloud in the sky yet. Elijah speaks to Ahab and says, prepare yourself for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. And it says, Elisha himself went up onto the mountain to pray and prayed and prayed and prayed. He prayed and then he sent his servant, go and look and see what you see on the horizon. There's nothing. Seven times he sends him and seven times he comes back and says there's nothing. It's the seventh time. He sends him the seventh time and he comes back and he says, there is a cloud the size of a man's hand on the horizon. It's a very small cloud. It's a very small cloud. I don't know how you draw faith like that from that small of a cloud. I was going to go running this morning, but I looked and there was a cloud the size of a man's hand in the sky and I thought, no, nah, I can't go. And then the word of the Lord comes to Elijah. He speaks to Ahab and he says, prepare your chariot and go down to Jezreel. 
Elijah, I'm sorry, Ahab gets in a chariot pulled by a horse and he's on his way to Jezreel. He's on his way to this other city. From Mount Carmel, he's traveling to Jezreel. I don't know how far it was, 15, 20 miles. And the word of the Lord comes, gird up your loins. So Elisha girded up his loins and he ran ahead of Ahab to Jezreel. He ran 20 miles and he outran a horse. He ran 20 miles, and he outran a horse. Have you guys ever seen the movie Secretariat? He outran a horse, people. Horses run. I don't know what their speed is. I think it's like 35, 40 miles an hour. Pulling a chariot, maybe he'd slow down a little bit. Human beings at the fastest, Hussein Bolt, is like a little over 20. outran the horse and the chariot. How do you do that? How do you do that? Only by the grace of God. Only by the supernatural grace of God. Only by the supernatural power of God coming upon you. So I'm in the midst of worship. The Lord says, get ready to run. And I'm like, what? He said, what? Respectfully. With all humility. <laughs> I'm already running. I'm so tired. Gird up your loins. Oh, yeah, okay, let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready. What does it mean to gird up your loins? If you read NIV or NLT or a couple of the other translations, they all say the same thing. He tucked his cloak into his belt. And so imagine, if you will, I'm wearing a priestly garment, right? Big flowing garment, cloak. And if you were to run in that, you'd fall and trip. So he took, takes his, his cloak and he ties it up and he secures it so that it's not going to get tangled in his feet. And then he ran. And then he ran. But he didn't just run in his own strength. He girded up his loins. He did what the Lord told him to do. There was something that he had to do on his part. And then he ran, and God gave him the strength, and he outran the horse and the chariot and Ahab. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God, I'm ready. If you're telling me to run... And you're giving me this scripture to gird up my loins. I'm your man. If you're not with me, I'm not going. But if you're going to be with me and you're going to be behind me, I'm ready. Sign me up. This is going to be fun. We have to be careful not to read too much into the story when the Lord speaks to us this way. right? Because if you know the rest of the story... What happens to Elijah in the next chapter? He falls into great depression. Well, listen, I'm telling you right now, that is not the course over my life. And so I don't have to receive that that was the next chapter for Elijah and that's the next chapter for me. And I know this because of what the story of David looked like. I know this from past experience. When the Lord spoke to me and said, go and do all that's within your heart. We'll look at that in a moment. What happens? Elisha gets to Jezreel, and it says, Jezebel looks out her window, painted her eyes. I don't know if it's there or if it's in a different scripture. It says, she painted her eyes. It might be in, um, when Jehu comes to, to kill Jezebel. She paint, with painted eyes, and she looks at him and says, 
something along the lines of like, I'm going to kill you. So, uh, so be it also to me if by this time tomorrow you are not like one of them, referring to the prophets of Baal. This is what Jezebel speaks to Elisha. And so then Elisha runs back and goes to the wilderness. And then you know the story. He goes to the wilderness, and God feeds him there. And he goes 40 days in the, in the power of that food. And then he goes to the cave, and the Spirit of the Lord speaks to him and says, What are you doing here? What are you doing here? God's like, Why are you here? God's saying, I didn't call you here. You messed up the plan. This wasn't the plan. You weren't supposed to become fearful when she spoke to you. That doesn't have to happen to me, and, and we'll see why here in just a second. Anyways, I say all that to say that I'm ready to run. I'm ready to go. There's no more excuses. I will never use the words, I'm too busy, as an excuse ever again, because God's with me. You know, there was a time back in the day where I would speak the word over my life and I would say, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. And you know what happened? I got tired. And so I realized that I wasn't tired physically. I was tired of the situation that I found myself in. And so I changed my words. Instead of saying, I'm tired, I said to, I said to God, I said, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to move on. I'm ready for the next thing. And it changed. My perspective changed and my situation changed. It changed. Sometimes we need to watch our words. Power of the tongue is very powerful. With our, with our tongue, we create our future. God is a creative God. He spoke and the world came into being. We are creative beings. As we speak things, we create things over our life. I'm tired. Now I'm tired. I'm not tired. God, I'm ready for what's next. God, I'm ready for what's next. That's the truth of the situation. It's very tiring to be in a situation that doesn't change. It's very tiring to be in a situation when you no longer have the grace to be there. But if we watch our words, if we're careful with our words, and if we use them to create life instead of death, God, I'm ready for what's next. Instead of saying, I'm tired. We need to change what we're saying sometimes. I'm, I'm no longer busy. I may be more busy than I've ever been, but I'm no longer busy. I refuse to let that be an excuse for why I won't do anything. I might say, let me see how I can fit you into my schedule. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, let's look at this. So then Nathan said to the king, go and do all the things in your heart, for the Lord is with you. So I had spoke to you and told you pretty much all the, how I got to the fact that the Lord spoke this scripture to me. And that scripture was enough. It gave me the, the faith. I knew what I was to do. And so I went and I did, and I worked at that job. I never looked back. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I was supposed to be here. And I knew that it was, the Lord would provide through what he had given me to do. Now, if we go and we look at this scripture very carefully, Nathan says to the king, go and do all that's within your heart. In the next paragraph, Nathan comes back and says, the Lord's spoken to me, and he said, you can't do it. It's the next paragraph. Now, if I had known the full story, and if I had applied that portion of the story to the word that the Lord has spoken to me, I would have been double-minded about the decision that I made. But there was no double-mindedness. The Lord didn't speak to me and said, no, you can't do that. He said, go and do all that's within your heart. 
The other thing that we have to remember is that when the Lord speaks to us, whether it's from Scripture or whether it's something else, God will never violate his character. God will never violate what's already written in Scripture. God will never violate what he's already told you to do. And so when God spoke to me at this moment and said, go and do all that's within your heart, Scripture also tells us that he gives us the desires of our heart. So I was doubly reassured. I, I knew that this was what God wanted. I knew that this was where God wanted us to be. I didn't have to remember or, or reflect upon or gather in the Scripture that I wasn't to do it because in the next paragraph, next line almost, Nathan comes back and says, no, I prayed, and, and God said, you can't build the house because you're a man of bloodshed. Your son will build the house in your place. But then there was a blessing over David's life, so I'll take that. <laughs> Go and do all this within your heart. And so I want to encourage you today. You may be busy. God's calling you to run. God's giving you the strength to run. God wants you to be part of the solution. So many of those songs that we sang this morning, I don't know, probably a prophetic song selection. So many of those songs this morning spoke about our victory over the enemy. We have the victory over the enemy and we have to remember it. And so this is why we sing the songs to remind ourselves, the enemy has no power over my life. The enemy may be frothing at the mouth, and he may be a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, but he will not come near me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of the scriptures. Do you believe it? Do you believe that greater is he that is in me, the power of God that is in me, than he that is in the world? The same power that rose Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of me. Do we believe these scriptures? Do we understand these scriptures? And do we apply them to our life? <laughs> the same power, think about it just for a second, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Jesus had risen Lazarus from the dead. Jesus prayed and Lazarus was raised from the dead. Jesus raised the widow of, Saint, widow of Nain's son from the dead. But nobody was there to pray for Jesus. There was no son of God or Messiah praying for Jesus to come out of the grave. It just happened. The same power by the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of me. Do we receive that power? Do we accept that power? And are we walking in that power? I've come to a place of understanding that the devil has no power over my life. He has zero power over my life. There is nothing that he can do. There is nothing that we can, he can do. Way too many times we give him far too much credit. We give the enemy far too much credit. The book of Revelations talks about end times, talks about what it's going to be when everything's wrapped up. Too often, we look at the book of Revelations, we're like, oh, well, this is what the Antichrist is going to do. This is what the enemy is going to do. That's not what the book of Revelations is. It's not the book of Revelations of the Antichrist. It's the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. 
It's his story. And the enemy's not even a side character. Not even a side character. John's the side character. <laughs> Go and do all that's within your heart. I want to uh, speak briefly about Nehemiah. I believe that Nehemiah is a prophetic um, representation of the day that, in which we find ourselves. Nehemiah is a prophetic declaration of the day in which we find ourselves. I want to encourage you to read the book of Nehemiah this week. This story is a type and a shadow of what's going on in the world today. We see Nehemiah, and he goes back to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And there were these three characters, Sanballat, Tobiah, and the other guy. I don't remember his name. Is it okay that I don't remember the enemy's name? It's okay that I don't remember the enemy's name. It's bad enough that I remember two. Sanballat, <laughs> Tobiah, and the other guy. And so these three guys get together, and they're there to try to discourage Nehemiah. And so they speak to Nehemiah, and they start to speak to the people of Israel, and they start to speak to those people. Even if a fox goes up on the wall, it's going to tear it down. It's going to fall down. And they try to discourage the work that God is doing. But it didn't work. It didn't work at all. As a matter of fact, this was Nehemiah's response. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at with construction and with other hand they held a weapon. <laughs> Let's get busy. It's time to run. It's time to get busy. It's time to get to work. You're going to put the trowel in one hand and you're going to put the sword of the Lord in the other. So God wants to build back his kingdom. God wants to build back his church. God wants to build back your life. God wants to build back everything that the enemy has stolen over America, everything that he's stolen over this nation, everything that he's stolen from the kingdom. He wants to build it back. So we, the people of God, need to get to work. We put a trowel in the one hand, and we're going to have to have the sword of the Lord in the other because we're going to have to do battle while we're building. The building doesn't stop to fight, and the fighting doesn't stop because we're building. We need to do both. It's not an either or. It's a both and. And so we need to strengthen ourselves. We need to encourage ourselves. We need to, we need to get ready to run. Read Nehemiah. Be encouraged. Nehemiah refused to believe the negative report that Sanbiah, Tobiah, and the other guy decided that they were going to lay out. He refused to believe it. He spoke against it, and the wall was completed, and the gates were set in order, and the city became secure. Yeah. And then when the city became secure, come on, here it is. They read the law of God for the first time in 70 to 80 years. Can you imagine not having read your Bible or not having heard the Bible quoted for 70 to 80 years? And then the wall was completed. And then they said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Uh, they didn't read the scripture. They didn't have it. They read the law. 
They read the first five books in their entirety. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I always stumble over those. Glory to God. What a great day. Ah, oh, makes me want to weep just, be, just thinking about it. They read the word of the Lord. God's spirit poured out. Worship broke out at the reading of the word. They simply read the word of God and worship broke out. Simply, be, There was no musical instruments. There was nobody encouraging. They read the word of God. Worship broke out all over the place. I just want to encourage you today. God is not mocked. God is still on the throne. God still has all the authority and he's given it to you. He's given it to you. He's given it to me. Take the authority that you've been given. Go out. Speak to your enemies. Tell them who your God is. Don't. Too often when we, t- when we speak to our enemies, we, we make the mistake of trying to tell our enemies who they are or who they're not. Don't talk to your enemy and tell them who they are or who they're not. Speak to your enemies. Tell them who your God is. When David stepped out onto the battlefield, he didn't tell Goliath that he was a nobody. Because that wasn't true. He was a somebody. He was a great big somebody. He, he simply told Goliath who his God was. You come at me with your sword and your spear, but I'm telling you what, Goliath, I come at you in the name of the Lord God of hosts. I don't need to tell you who you are or who you're not. I'm not going to point out any of your weaknesses or your failings. I'm just going to tell you who my God is. My God is greater. My God is bigger. So what do you want to come against me with? You want to come against me in my health? You want to come against me in my home? You want to come against me in my job? You want to come against me? Go ahead, lay lay out the list. You want to come against me? I'm simply going to tell you who my God is. My God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. My God is King of kings and Lord of lords. My God has legions of angels ready to be dispatched at my prayers. At my prayers. So many times we find our place of it, so many times we find our place in a, a place of, <laughs> so many times we find ourselves in a place of despondency because we haven't prayed. So many times we find ourselves in a place of lack because we haven't prayed. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. What have you been asking for? Are you asking? Are we even asking? Knock and the door shall be opened. Seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given unto you. James says, who of you, if he asks, it's, it's in Matthew, I'm sorry. Who of you, if he asks his father for bread, will they give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, knowing how, if you then being evil, Jesus said, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will our father in heaven give good gifts to those who, what? Ask. Ask. We've got to ask. We've got to get in prayer. We've got to say, God, I know that you, I know that you want the best for me. God, I'm asking. I'm asking for the best. Jobs and better jobs. Promotions. Whatever it is. Healing. Whatever it is that you need, God wants to give it to you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We're going to get ready to take communion here in a minute.
But I just want to encourage you. Get ready to run. Get ready to run. I know that that was the word of the Lord for me. And I know that there's people all over this room that are busy. We're busy. We're busy, busy, busy. It's, it's not even a, a new thing. It's not like I'm just busy now. I've been busy for 10 years. I've been busy for 20 years. It's a lifestyle. We have a lifestyle of busyness. But we can run anyways. We're called to run in spite of the busyness. We're called to run besides the busyness. We're called to run, and when we receive the grace of God, the busyness, the, the busyness will no longer be a burden. It'll no longer be a burden. When we receive the grace of God, those things that we used to do that were burdensome suddenly become joy. Come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My burden is light. His burden's light because he gives us the grace to walk it out. We do it by his strength. We don't even have to do it ourselves. We have to show up. We have to do our part. But it's God who does it. It's, the God, it's God who wins the victory. I have no power within myself other than the power of God that lies within me. There's no power in me that defeats the enemy. It's Jesus Christ in me who defeats the enemy. Come on. Amen? All right. Come on. Let's, let's get ready to receive uh, communion this morning. 1 Corinthians 